hell is ground chuck <laughs> i wish i had recorded that conversation that was this is the way classic i mean no just so you know where i got it from i read an article one time that said you can tell a lot about a person's personality by the way they either say um really i will and tell you real talk i knew donald trump would be a bad president when they said he ordered his steak well done with ketchup what the? <laughs> i'm sorry what <laughs> oh. this motherfucking oh. dude is sociopath <laughs> if you told with the ketchup? conservative base that no joke I, they would they would they we should have got yeah. wow. <laughs> no joke what, well what is, done a, what is a ketchup i don't ketchup. understand this dude orders steaks well done with ketchup I maybe said, he maybe he made a mistake and thought it was that heinz 57 sauce although i have to say that if a steak is done well sauce is always option you know very true mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. this is this is from what is it this is yeah from 2000 yeah when he first inaugurated yeah he orders his steak well done with a side of ketchup do you think that my god my do god think, do you think a MAGA real man of the people do you think MAGA conservatives now eat their steak like that? They said, oh, well, I, it's my president, so I, I, I can have only, to eat steak I like can this. only assume. It's the only way. It's the it's the only way that makes sense. If you're gonna if you're gonna idolize him that much, you gotta eat steak the same way you In does. honor of my god, Emperor, I will consume <laughs> In honor of my god. <laughs> okay, uh definitely gonna take it from there. <laughs> It's only downhill from here, guys. Uh, we we yeah. peaked. When Trump made his first presidential visit to Saudi Arabia, they served him steak with a side of ketchup. No. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I, like, I already hated okay, the Okay, that's a little embarrassing. Just I, overseas eating like that. That's true. I didn't, I, oh God. <laughs> I don't even have words. According to a standard operating procedure document attained by Washingtonian, the president's servers when he got his special DC hotel stuff. They had to open many glass bottles of Heinz in front of him to ensure he could hear the pop. This uh, fucking dude is What? You know what? He uh, eats like a little a big kid though. Yeah. That's what it Did he have his little dino nuggies with him the whole time? <laughs> Golly gee, I hope so. <laughs> Politico reported in 2007. I remember all this because I'm a food dude. They were. I remember them reporting that he was mad that the White House staff couldn't adequately make a quarter pounder, so his bodyguard like had to go buy him actual quarter pounders because the White House staff couldn't make a sufficiently good quarter pounder, like mm. McDonald's does. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. That's what? McDonald's. Something's wrong with this dude. Just go to McDonald's. Just have someone yeah. go to McDonald's. This dude had the greatest staff of chefs ever and was like, can they make me a quarter pounder? Okay. Um, I don't even. We're running out of time. Start the we, we are. We are. Uh, three, two, <laughs> one. Oh my God. <laughs> Welcome back to Recap. Podcast Recover. Some of the latest news featured on our social media pages and even some other shit I didn't even know I needed to know. Um, we try to find the news that matters most to our voters that we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. Oh, I didn't change my I didn't change my thingy. I, I guess I'm still the Hulk Hyde. I'm I'm your host, uh, Josh the Hulk Hyde. Still, I need to change that for the for the next one. And with me are my my good friends. Uh, 
Anthony Arnold, the great, the oh man, I'm, I'm still, I, I can't <laughs> process Anthony Arnold, the greatest writer of all time. We got, we got Alexander Crohannon, who's the greatest professor. And then Nick, he's just a real good dude. He's the best homie, the greatest homie. All right. <laughs> how are you guys? How are you guys? I've lost credibility right apparently. Well, I'm I, sorry. I, My brain is everywhere right now. I just for, can't. I'm sorry. Clearly Anyone? better than you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Say, I, you know, yeah. Last time you were in the studio, you were shirtless and you were you were looking a little green and had a little glow about you. But today, homie, you look. Sorry, not homie. Other, Josh. Yeah, uh, I'm Mr. President. Now. You're looking real green. Like maybe, maybe go home. Get that looked at. Okay. <laughs> maybe. Okay. You're looking a little blue. Okay. <laughs> 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 Hulk express in many range of emotions. For instance, Hulk sad. <laughs> um, for context, in case it got edited out, we found out that Trump eats well-done steak with ketchup and Josh the Hulk Hyde can't handle it. I yeah. can't. <laughs> I, I am losing all sense of being at the moment. Uh, I'll get it back, but let, let's go ahead and get into what I want to talk about. Hulk nihilistic. <laughs> Hulk ex- existentialism. <laughs> Hulk existential crisis. Um, so kind of we we talked we talked a little bit about uh like military threats and and national politics and a couple other things in the last episode. One of the things that's been kind of floating around social media because again a lot of these are are based on things that I've seen and conversations that I've had with people. Um, one of the things that I've heard about. Uh, a number of times is that like World War Three is upon us, and several other things along those lines. Now, this isn't to say that any of that is true. However, I have noticed there have been several things happening in tandem that kind of fill me with a little bit of concern, and there are some things that have been discovered in the cosmos that I think are worth paying attention to. Um, let's, let's just go ahead and get into my spiel. The idea of another world war and the nuclear response to it has several people on edge. Billionaires for a while have been examining space as a place to call home and astronomers are looking outside of our own galaxy for planets that look like ours. Is it all conjecture or is there more happening here? I want to talk about that. But first, let's talk about the question of the day. Question of the day. We're going to space. <laughs> I see there have been some there are some chuckles at my background choice, which is space. Deal with it. <laughs> space. Deal with it. Space. <laughs> space. Um, so the question, and I promise Alex I will let him go first so that his annoyance does not build, is <laughs> do you think humans Will it ever be an interstellar species? Alex? If uh, we don't kill each, <laughs> if we don't exterminate ourselves first, cert- with certainty. Yes. With certainty. Yeah. Certainty. You with think certainty. we'll overcome the physics problems? Uh, it's not a physics. I mean, it's not really a physics problem right now so much as it is yeah. a... Uh, um logistics problem <laughs> yeah but by physics i mean like 
the distance. I mean, like, yeah, so oh, I mean, so like you know, well, I mean, like, can we grow our own food? Can we like recycle? And yeah. say, like, can we you know say efficiently cycle water? Can we like, yeah, I mean, yeah, those are like these are these are like engineering logistical problems more than anything else at this point. Uh, okay, and and do you would you I'm gonna just because I'm gonna go to you next, Nick. Do you think what what time frame? If you had to give one, rough guess. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Just spitball. Spitball? Yeah. All right. So in interstellar. Okay. So yeah. it, let's let's confirm the definition of interstellar here, right? Yeah. Uh, so when you say that, you mean like on on multiple planets? Yes. Sure. Although I don't uh, know if any of the planets we have here would be super hospitable, but that's a different problem. Well, I mean. Within 200 years. Okay. Within like 200 the upper, years. Upper limit, 200. Yeah. All right. Nick, homie. Um, I think the lower limit is 200. But I think that's because we have two quandaries to solve first. But okay, real quick, before I get into that, what was your question again? Do you Anthony? think we'll ever be an interstellar species? I think it's possible. Um. I do. I think it is. There's there's the theories that like you can't you physically can't be um, you'll destroy yourselves before you get to that point. And I don't know if I agree with those theories as much as I agree with the idea <clears throat> that in order to get to space to travel that far outside of your own planet to be able to do all the engineering problems to solve all the um, logistics problems. First, you need to solve the societal problems. And I think that's an unfortunate reality is that in order to get to space, we all have to start working together for that to work. Every time you see a space show, Earth is not at war with itself. We're all in agreement that it's time our, our petty Earth squabbles are over. It's time to move on to the playing field of space. Um, and I think that is a, is a side effect. And that's also why I think 200 is a minimum because one of we have several societal problems we have to get over and it takes i, I believe the um uh cultural consciousness lasts for about 250 years and then it becomes like not true history but something that people don't have an attachment to anymore um the revolutionary war is a good example we have this sort of vague pride but i don't give a shit about the revolutionary war <laughs> Most people, I don't think, do. Um, and, it, and it goes like that. And there's, there's a certain time frame for where that will leave consciousness. And so we have to get over problems like racism. We have to get over problems like um, uh, nationality and borders and unifying. And that takes a lot of time <laughs> to do because people don't like to cooperate, even though we're a cooperation species, which is very funny to me. <laughs> And so I think it'll take 200 years at minimum, but I think it could take somewhere up to like, I don't know, five, 700. This is just a guess, honestly. Right. No, that's okay. Guesses are allowed for this segment. I think, I think we might figure out the engineering problems long before that. I just don't think we're going to figure out the societal problems. That, a while. That feels possibly true, yeah. Hulk, will we, be an ever, will we ever be an interstellar species, such as in the planet Hulk, Arc with Sakaar. 
You seem like an expert on this, Hulk. Uh, Hulk has spent time in space. Um, <laughs> can't say humans are not ready yet. <laughs> but no, like, in, in all honesty, I think my answer is very, very similar to Nick's. Like, I, I think that if we can establish, like, a world government and start pooling resources and talent, we... It's not really a question of if, it would be a question of when. However, with the way that we currently exist, there is no good way to make that happen without there being some kind of like crab pulling itself back into the bucket issue. Mm -hmm. All right. I like it. Uh, My answer is like, do I think we'll ever have like maybe an outpost on another planet, like for pure research purposes? I think that's a possibility. Do I actually ever think we will live on another planet? Uh, No. No. I don't think we will. For societal reasons, but also uh, at most we're talking like this solar system. Do I ever think we'll like leave this solar system successfully? I actually kind of have my doubts. Uh, But we won't get into all of that. But uh, so there you go. I was going to say, I think an additional issue is let's say we get all of the community problems solved, all the cultural problems solved, all the yeah. engineering problems solved. Now we have to make a spacecraft big enough to carry the human population to a new planet, assuming this one dies. And then we have just a fucking um, avatar situation where we're just colonizing all over again. But this time it's about humans and not about whiteness. It's uh, like, yes. Francine has entered into chat to say, no, just the rich people. For those of you who have not seen Kings of Comedy, I hope you, you should. Or they say, uh, Cedric the Entertainer says, uh, white people just going to leave Earth. The white flight. White flight to a whole new, a whole new fucking galaxy. <laughs> Interstellar <laughs> white flight. <laughs> but no, like, I, I, the only other thing that I'll say about it is the fact that, like, I don't think we will go live on other planets unless people just really want to, unless we do something irreparable to Earth. Like, Dude. my the only reason I think no. we would future want to flee and go somewhere is if we fuck up this planet enough that we can no longer live here. I like that you're using future tense as if it's not already happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. And... On that note, <laughs> we're going to kick it back to you, Hulk. And Hulk will kick ball to uh, Professor Crohannon for discussion of, of trends. All right. Well, uh, we're going to talk. Okay, so in honor of space, we're going to talk about astrobiology. This is a real thing. So it's a scientific discipline in which you study it and say, like, they, you know, study and like hypothesize about um the environmental say environmental sciences that can that could produce life so we're, I mean, we're talking about yes we're talking about like extra actually extraterrestrials um <laughs> so uh we're gonna begin with uh so we're gonna talk about like the right, real real quick so um we actually have, there is an organization uh, people are, might be familiar with, the SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial um, Intelligence. Uh, 
So this is a uh, organization that, uh, I mean, largely just like pings, it like pings out messages to space via radio wave, like via radio waves, and then like analyzes, like searches for messages from space, um, like in like in response to it. Um, so uh, we also have uh, what's called the Drake equation, which uh, is a, um, a a bit of astrobiology. Uh, it's an equation that tries to uh, talk about like the likelihood of um, a civil as like of two civilizations arriving at a point of community that they are communicating. They they could be communicating and like monitoring um, like the the universe within perceptible ranges of each other. Actually, it doesn't sorry it doesn't account for that at the same time. So like. Uh, so like, you know, if the, the idea is that like, if you're in the universe and you're doing this, like, it's like a glowing light in the dark, right? And the question is, if there was someone around you who could see the light, then they would also glow. And so like, what's the probability that like that would occur? And that's starting to be quantified by like the Drake equation. Um, so then like from the Drake equation, I actually like developed like the field of astrobiology. Um, which led to you say uh, which let um, so you're like so how do you actually like try to study like what life could be like on other planets and the answer is well you look at like the most extreme um, scenarios on Earth and look at like how those organisms have uh, evolved or developed to like to, to cope with those um, those things so largely we're talking about like deep sea vents like on the ocean floor under huge pressure at high temperatures. Um, and uh, yeah, we still have like, we still have bacteria there. We still have archaea there. Like there's still life at these, let's say, at these absurd situations that are like so alien and so foreign and so hostile to like, um, like human beings and basically all other organisms, not these things. <laughs> So you can uh, seek study those, and you can start doing like some evolutionary studies about how um, uh, like how that would occur, and then uh, that would tell you some things about how that could occur and uh, like how life could occur in other places, like on Mars. Uh, no, I'm not talking about little green men. I'm not talking about like the Martians from like the. I mean like small. Um, uh, micro say microscopic organisms. Uh, probably phytotropic, so like they they like they um uh use sorry uh phototropic like they use light um as like as part of their like part of their food um and we have uh like we found evidence of that um <laughs> uh no not like not like Namor Francine um or oh I'm sorry Namor Namor <laughs> because. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> very different in the uh, MCU. Uh, so the last uh, other bit I want to talk about is um, where astrobiology is right now. And uh, we are finally, uh, I okay. So humans are, have been like anthro, anthropocentric. We, we focus on, you know, think like we like, we're interested in like human life, like intelligent life. And that leads, and that's, uh, that's a bias. Um, because we are carbon-based life. Um, 
uh, D is a most is a most of the macro all of the major macro molecules in humans and most of the like organic molecules are called organic molecules one because they appear in life like organic life but also um they use carbon they're carbon based um so but people are finally i've held this position for years you can ask my friends um finally like expanding beyond that and then like but what if they're like what if you don't have carbon-based life what do you have life that doesn't use dna what if it uses some other molecule altogether what if you have like uh it's like what if you have like a silicon rich planet you have silicon-based life so we're actually say we're actually finally at the point where we start to expand our bubble of like not just what are worlds that would be habitable for humans that could produce intel like that could produce life and and eventually produce intelligent life but what are other criteria that um to say that you could that you could use uh that could also produce life uh, another so you know carbon is just one example another is you know people are looking at oxygen um or people are looking at water because all life that we know uses water but that that's not necessarily true. It, it would be, you know, it would be folly to think that all life must be water-based or all life must be carbon-based. Like, dude, we have organisms at the bottom of the ocean with no, that have never seen light, have never seen light from the sun and they exist and they're alive. So like maybe our like, like what we think, like the definition of like the necessary things <laughs> your life are like, maybe we're like grossly overestimating that or we're underestimating the tenacity and veracity of other life forms. To quote so Jeff a, Goldblum, life uh, finds a way. Life finds a way. That's what I'm talking about. Facts. So, okay, so I, I agree uh, that we have been too narrow in our thinking about what life looks like, because I think you're right. We have spent too long thinking of life that would look like us. And there are several things on this planet that do not look like us, that do not function like us, that do look alien and foreign. And, and a lot of it exists in the ocean. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly think that there are aspects of life that probably do exist on these other planets that we would not immediately think of as life because they don't match what we think life should look like. But that is in its own way a privilege. The human privilege. The human privilege. <laughs> the human bias, the human privilege. Yes. I like it. Yeah. That's cool. I. I didn't know it was like a, I knew it was a thing that we were doing. I didn't realize it was like an, an adequately uh, recognized study or like a an adequately, adequately recognized scientific field now. So that's dope. Yeah. Mm. And there's some funny stuff out there about SETI. People who are like, but what if they're hostile and we're just transmitting our location and stuff to them? It's like, well, don't worry we'll about find out. We'll find out. If they are. If they are interstellar and already hostile, we've already lost. Well, we've got <laughs> sidewinders, so it'll be all right. Yeah, we got sidewinders. Independence Day style, baby. <laughs> yeah. 
We're going to have the earth. Time to atone for that slap, Will Smith. <laughs> All right. So um, what's actually really funny was uh, one of the things I was going to ask Anthony <laughs> uh, was that, like, when do we think? Well, I guess maybe this is a bit of a different question in terms of, you know, your question. Not necessarily that when we'll be spacefaring, but uh, when do we think that, like, consistent travel even just to the areas of our own interstellar backyard will be in, in, in a, in a guesstimate as it were, when huh. do we think that'll be possible? Uh, you mean just like kind of going up there for like, like pleasure flights basically like, yeah, that or for other reasons too. Like when, yeah. when is it going to become semi-normalized? Do we think? I mean, that one, I would say sooner rather than later. Right. I mean, look, like we have all these, like we have problems with like the Bezoses and the Musk, but the reality is that some of those, the money they're spending, like they have made it much, seemingly they've moved that timeline much closer as to when we'll be able to like regularly do this. Um, I wish that our government had been funded, that NASA had been funded and supported properly, that they could have done this. But we didn't. Um, we chose this route. So, I mean, if Alice is putting the timeline like tops 200 years, I would imagine the regularity of like sort of interstellar just going up there for whatever reasons, that would seem to be like decades. If the timeline for interstellar travel is 200 years for him, like I think decades, right? Just me spitballing though. I'm, okay. I'm going to stick with my soft 500-ish years, my two <laughs> to 700 time frame. I'll just take the middle of 500, only because based on the definition of normalized, it's something that everyone can do um, and everyone could experience feasibly. And again, without societal fixes, it's just going to be rich people, like Francine said. And so that, to me, is not normalized. Um, it already but, is currently rich people. <laughs> right, exactly. So I think if you take um, cars, for instance, when they started propping up against um, horse, uh, they're not chariots, isn't the word, you know what I'm talking about, um, <laughs> carts or whatever, they would, it was just carriages. Yeah, it was just for rich people for, the, for a while, and then it got normalized. Um, and it didn't take super long, but I, I'm going to say you can't really normalize going to space with, well, you know what? I'm going to take it back. I'm going to say soft 200 only because I think you can go to space and still be a racist. I think that's a thing that'll happen. <laughs> um, even if it's normalized, I just think it'll be a lot like, so I'm going to say soft 200. I think full interstellar world travel will be the soft 500. Uh, what, so one reason I, I, I actually, because I'm going to tie in something else, right? I think once we sort of get over the hump, hopefully we get over the hump of like terrible rich people are fronting this right now. I think if we get over that hump, the climate movement would do very well to normalize space travel. Because if you look at what happened when we went up there and we looked back on Earth, that led to a lot of climate energy the first time around. 
being able to see our own planet from space, people suddenly got like, it dawned on them, like, this is it. You get up there, you look at all the stars and you look back, you're like, holy Jesus, this is really it. Yeah, bruh, this is really it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I think the climate movement maybe could help normalize it by like, look, once you go up there and look back at earth and you see what it looks like and what we're doing to it, I think it helps you realize how precious it is to protect it. So I kind of hope they start pushing it to like, hey, this is a really great way to inspire people to take care of our planet is once they see it in its entirety. But that's just me naively hoping, I'll admit. But I'll admit that's a naive hope. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, my answer, I, it's interesting that you said decades. My my answer to this question um, on a like idealistic standpoint is that I, I think routine space travel can be possible by like 2100. I think. All right. Hmm. Barring we don't destroy each other. Well, which yeah, is, obviously. Oh, that, which is always a pro, like a like a, a very real probability. Yeah, I, so I'm with Anthony. Decades, 20, 2060, 2080. And I say, and I, like, I'm going to push like back. I'm like, I'm push back. I'm like normalized. Like, um, like normalized is just going to like it's a thing that people that like we've accepted that people do. Like it doesn't have to be accessible. Like accessible is a word that means like people that lots of people can do it. But like Jeff Bezos being is like a like before Jeff Bezos's um you know expend, uh, journey to space, it was reserved for like government officials who had been trained. And now it's like if you can afford it, you can go. Like Jeff Bezos has demonstrated you don't need any special like you don't need special training. You don't need like. You just have to have enough money. Technically, it's normalized now. It's just normalized specifically for rich people. Right. Uh, so I, I, I mean, assume I don't know that I one s- person makes it. <laughs> I don't know that one person doing it one time makes it uh like makes it uh normalized, but like yeah. Uh, well, if I you also, ask somebody, do you think rich people can go to space? I think most people are going to say yes. So I mean, like, yeah. uh, the other point. I also I, I think it's really important to talk about um, mm-hmm. uh, the Bezos man and uh, let's let's revisit that for just one moment. So <laughs> okay. does everyone rem- so Anthony, you're talking about the pale blue dot, yeah? Right? That's like that, that's the plea you're making. And yep. does anyone else remember the press conference he did he had after before and after doing the space thing? Because he he makes references to the pale blue dot, and he makes references to um, all the things you're talking about. But he did it before, and then he did it after, and then he said some very subtle things about how like we shouldn't pollute the earth. Yep. But Amazon does like say does like a bunch of things. Like Amazon's not looking to like you know be the first like carbon new like carbon negative company. Like that's not that's not what he's about. He he actually he's he floated the other way. We should put factories in space. We should pollute the infinite space. We should not pollute our home. 
So, 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 so let's say I, I hear you and I also want the Star Trek version of space, but I regret, I regret to inform you, we're going to get the expanse version of space. Rich people are going okay. to space now, but poor people will go to space and that will be their home. And you will get, to, and you will work at the factory and you will, and you will deal with the zero, you will deal with the no gravity and you will deal with the, and you will go and mine the asteroids for precious metals to send to uh, to send to the earth and we will send you food and water. Coming, coming 2100, the Amazon moon uh, uh, society yeah, yeah, where yeah. we don't pay you. You just go and do that because by the time you'll get back to earth, you'll miss your court date. And I, and I, and I, to prevent that future, which I think is what like the rich corporations would like. That's why I actually think it would be really beneficial for like the climate people to like just attach themselves to what the rich people want to do and go, yeah, we're just going to draft off of your thing. Cause once we can get in space and people can see like the damage we've done to it holistically, you know what I mean? It changes you. And yeah, this is the Carl Sagan pale blue dot plea. Like for people who don't know, uh, one of the most moving things anyone has ever said about space travel than space itself. Um, because you, we are oh so very tiny in the grand scheme of things. So, but yes. Okay. Prevent the expanse. <laughs> Forgot the expanse. So, I have a uh, with the, with the time we have left. I want to I want to run you guys through a small political experiment. Okay, I'm going to describe to you a scenario, and then ask you a few questions. Okay, all, all right. right, let's do it. All right. So, in the future, say we become spacefaring. And we have landed on and colonized a habitable planet similar to ours. I'll call it Terra Nova in this scenario. All Our right. world has not changed its current politics. Oh, this, no. <laughs> this situation was both funded and completed by the United Nations. All right. Once that planet becomes colonized, I, who I owns have so it? So many questions. Just sticking with your question, who owns it once it's colonized? Correct. Who owns that planet? Who has claim to that planet? Well, the U.S. But, because the U.S. claims everything. My actual my actual <laughs> answer is we just go to war over this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Functionally, we just go to war, and then or U.S. just goes, "No, it's ours. Fight me." And then they just own it because no, nobody wants to fight the U.S. over one planet. Um, or they might. Uh, I mean, really, the answer is nobody. Like, we don't, we literally have no concept of how jurisdictions work in space. It might work like Antarctica, where you get this section and I get this section and we get this section, and we'll all kind of be contentious about our sections, but yeah. we're not gonna go to war over Antarctica. Yeah. Like nobody owns the moon. 
Well, well, no, the U.S. owns the moon. Sorry. I mean, we put a, uh, put a flag, we put a flag on it. So that means sorry. <laughs> I I have so many questions. Like, where where did the how did the UN fund this? What? The, the UN is feckless and is a useless institution that can't. They are do not anything. in this future. In this future, they're not. <laughs> yeah, and in, in, in this future, they have they have some form of of uh, jurisdiction and can make something like this happen. And they have the money to do it. But but how? <laughs> the how is not important, Alex. <laughs> and so the question, Alex, stop deflecting. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, in that case, I say, at the case that the UN is able to do this, I mean, the, 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 the like, no, like, the UN owns it? Yeah. And, like, the UN will, hand, like, because at this point, like, you have, like, uh, you have, like, a, a body that can enforce international laws and, like, enforce international contracts. So, um, the UN, the UN owns it. There you go. Okay. Now, taking the same scenario as a base, I want to change something and see if that changes your answer. Oh, no. So let's say that instead of our current method of, you know, national politics, we have consolidated into a world government. And then this same thing happens. We colonize Terra Nova. What do we do if Terra Nova decides that it wants to govern itself, go to war with it. Yeah, we just have a revolutionary <laughs> war situation. <laughs> you think we're gonna let a whole ass planet walk away from us? <laughs> <laughs> we're not. Got some bad news for Terra Nova. All the guns are still Earthside. <laughs> <laughs> No, but really though, like people can say a lot about freedom and all that and individual. We're, we're not like the, the day we're interstellar. We're not letting a planet walk away from us. That's like we're actually not going to let them do that. <laughs> I think, as an interesting case, we don't know what the idea of a unified planet would look like, and so we're coming from this framework of what America would do. <laughs> um, but. If we're in a unified framework, most countries aren't like America. They won't go to war most times, nine times out of 10, I would say. It depends on the country. So in a situation where you have a unified planet, where another planet wants freedom, depending on if we're still in a capitalistic society is where I think the problem actually lies. If we're right. still capitalists, by the time we have a terraformed new planet, absolutely. We're going to go to war over it because we want the money. If we're right. not a capitalistic society, I don't think it would matter depending on the society we, we have therein. Um, if it's more, if it's like fascist or totalitarian or monarchy, then yeah, I think we would still go to war over it. But if it's more like communistic or socialistic or some other new thing that's more left-leaning, I don't think war would necessarily be the answer um depending on you know the society we have so right. the reason why i didn't specify that we had that kind of society is because i wanted to see if those factors would make a difference and it's clear that they do um 
I mean, to me, I think the answer is like the idea of colonizing assumes like when you colonize, you are acquiring a new thing for the benefit of the original thing. That's built into the assumption. So my assumption is actually building in that like we are colonizing Terra Nova for the benefit of us here, that like our corporations or businesses or individuals will be in some way dependent upon the materials or whatever we're, we're, we're acquiring from there. And that letting them go would, would harm us because we would have built our future upon what we gain on Terra Nova. Does that okay. make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like this is what lead, this is actually the expanse scenario for Alex's point. Like the space they're like, but we want to govern ourselves, but we depend upon your space rocks. <laughs> and we can't we and can't that, let you walk away with the space rocks. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's why I say in a capitalistic society, I think we would absolutely not let them walk away with the space rocks. Um, but I think if you have a more communicable society that's based on like mutual trust and not money, you can probably just find a trade agreement. You can probably just figure it out to where I don't have to own you. We're just friends now. I really want, don't let them walk away with the space rocks on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we won't let you walk away with the space rocks. <laughs> I want that on a shirt. I'm happy to provide. <laughs> but yeah, th thank you for, for, you know, entertaining my thought experiment. Um, I... The only other question that I have um, is that, like I said, a lot of this is coming from a lot of the like doom and gloom that I see online and that like people are warming up to the idea of fleeing to space. So is all of the things that I'm putting together, is this like conjecture? Am I wearing a, a tinfoil hat too tight? Like wh where do you stand on how all of these things are coming together. Is there something to actually be seen there? Or am I maybe looking into things too much? No, I think there's definitely something there. <laughs> because I mean, this is the future where people want the future of interstellar travel, of interstellar colonization, of interstellar living. They want that future to happen. Um, and so, yeah, we start thinking about the implications of it like before we get up there. <laughs> So wing it. Yeah, I, I know something we did everywhere else though. <laughs> right. I don't I don't to be the human way. I, I don't think you're tinfoil hatting it because people have been wanting to go to space since the freaking fifties. Like this is a this is a known thing that people want. Um I think timelines are really where the disagreements are gonna uh happen. I I could see people um specifically rich people white flighting their way to space pretty quickly within a few decades um non-conspiratorially i think that's the plan or i guess i mean i guess that is a conspiracy because i don't have any evidence outside of Bezos. so <laughs> but i don't think i don't think functionally it's a conspiracy like by definition yes but that's that's i'm not here to details who needs them <laughs> okay that's was that was part of my concern bringing this up in this way because I didn't want to seem like a crazy person who was uh, finding things where they weren't, and so I wanted <laughs> you guys' opinion on what these things look like. Because again, this this is I've I've had 
several conversations with people both on social media and off about like what the next 50 years looks like for the human race and it's looking kind of weird it's looking really fucking weird there goes dragon lord hulk again with his tinfoil hat and his thoughts about (laughs) space so thank you thank you i I appreciate being able to uh share that little bit with you and then maybe we'll do some more of that in the future in the meantime or at least for right now i should say um this podcast on earth has been brought to you in part by Elyak productions studio for podcasters and musicians and of course Pointcast News. So to listen to any of our other Earth-based podcasts, please go visit our website at Pointcast.news, or you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook for more pods, articles, and possibly polls that come from the things that we talked about today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you all for listening at your homes, wherever they may be, at whatever time, maybe Terra Nova. Who knows? We'll see you next time. Josh out.